With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Mintz. Today, we are coming off of that Oklahoma recap that we had that was absolutely fantastic. Let me tell you, I'm still in a much better mood than I was expecting to be at this point. But we are getting ready for an Oklahoma State matchup down uh, in Stillwater that may not be quite as um, good of a game for the Jayhawks, partly because they're on the road and partly because... I don't think they're going to take anybody by surprise at this point anymore. But to help me preview that game, help help us get ready for Saturday, I have joining me from the brand new Feels Like 45 podcast here on the 1012 Network. It is Cade Webb. Cade, how are you doing today? Uh, Andy, I'm good, man. Thankful to be on your program. And thank you for having me. I'm, I'm pumped to talk a little uh, Jayhawk football and some Cowboy football. Let's see where it leads us. Let's be honest. You're really not here to talk about KU football any more than in terms of like hey, how, how, you know how much you guys are going to beat them this week, right? You know what? If you would have just done us the favor and sealed the deal last week, I could have just got, come on here. Oh, and my gosh. Sung, we we could have just had a lot of fun here instead of having to like deal with a, a serious matchup. No, man. Look, it, it wasn't it wasn't Kansas' fault. We talked about this on the on the podcast this you know earlier this week, but the refs, you know, dollar signs going back to Mangino days, like you know, it was it was pretty clear there was there was some weird stuff going on. So some shenanigans, yeah, yeah no yes, doubt. for sure, no doubt, for sure. All right, so so let's go ahead and talk though about this Oklahoma State team. Um, you know, obviously coming into last week, they were six and zero, lost a, a heartbreaker against Iowa State, which wasn't necessarily unexpected. You know. Iowa State was favored in that game. It was up in Ames. You know, I, I actually went up firsthand and saw just how phenomenal that that uh, location is there and, and, the way, and the way that environment is. So the fact that that game was so close was not necessarily, you know, a bad thing. Um, yes, you, you would like to have the win, but I think, you know, all things considered, that's probably best case scenario other than actually winning the game and being undefeated at this point. But I, I do want to ask you, how surprised are you by what Oklahoma State has done so far this season? Oh, I mean, if I if I had to rate my level of surprise between a level of 
one and 10, I, I'd probably put it at a five. Um, not because I, I, the roster right now, I was talking to some family about this, actually. This is not an up year for Mike Gundy. This is not one of those years where you've got a Mason Rudolph, James Washington, and Justice Hill returning. This is not a Brandon Whedon, Justin Blackman, Joseph Randall type year. You've really, like, this is not supposed to be the year. And but it's kind of become that. And and even after this last weekend, I mentioned it on my on my podcast, the Feels Like 45 podcast, that I somehow feel better about Oklahoma State as a football team than I did before the game last week because there was still some unknown. And I think Iowa State was the most complete team they played all season, you know, coming off the win at Texas. Iowa State, you know, you know, they were four and two going into it, but um, all the analytics point to them being a solid football team, a really solid football team. And, um, you know, to, to answer your question, it's not shocking because that's really what Mike Gundy has done for the last, you know, 16 years is exceed expectations. And um, so, yeah, that, that, that would be my answer to it. I am surprised that it's this year and maybe not next year, but, you know, this senior laden defense, Spencer Sanders making the step, um, you know, it, it's not hard to see why they're in this position. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny because, you know, last season going into the COVID year, you know, there was there was talks about, you know, is it is it about time to talk about what the exit plan is for Gundy? Like, you know, are we are we worried because they they haven't been able to get over the hump? And and like coming into this year, you know, I think there was there was people that expected Spencer Sanders to take a step forward. But I thought they expected him to take a huge step forward. And he hasn't really yet to this point, except for you could argue this last game against Iowa State, um, you know, Oklahoma State started the season really, really badly on offense. Yes, I mean, they, you know, I mean, they only scored 23 against Missouri State. They scored, you know, 28 against Tulsa. That that 21-20 game against Boise State where, you know, they scored all the points in that flurry right before the the halftime and then nobody did anything in the second half. Like, the, the defense has always been phenomenal for this team and I think everyone expected the defense to be good coming into this year. But, you know, with the exception of this last week, you know, I, I think that this last game was the first time I've actually seen this offense put a complete game together. So, like, I mean, is is it fair to say, though, that there is still a lot you guys want to see from this offense if you really expect them to be able to to go through and, and make a run at actually winning the Big 12 this year? You know, it's a it's a nuanced question because you look at who Oklahoma State's already played and beaten, and that that includes Baylor, Texas, and Kansas State. Um, and then you look at who's coming, and and that would include Kansas, West Virginia, TCU, and Texas Tech. Those are those are in the bottom half of the Big Twelve. And so, while I do think you would like to see more from the offense at the beginning of half of the season, I think they've played the toughest stretch the best defenses that they're going to face all season already. I mean, they're, they're not getting any tougher. And so the fact that you've seen, and I, and I would argue it's been, it's been two and a half games that the offense has started to click, you know, in Texas, it's a, it's a physical game. It's, it's a high pressure environment, really Spencer's probably biggest game of his career at that point. And the offense really starts to click in the third and fourth quarter. And, and then you can, point to some moments in the Baylor game where the light bulb has started to turn on for them. I think the offensive line truthfully has started to gel. Um, they've gotten some guys healthy at key positions, specifically wide receiver. They're unbelievably young there. I mean, which is very rare for them. Typically they've got 
you know, just veterans out there and they don't have that right now, but they're starting to come along and it's a good time for it. And I, I, I truly think between the offensive line and the wide receivers starting to grow up a little bit and mesh together, that's why you're seeing the light bulb start to turn on. Yes. I think we would all like to see Oklahoma state put up 50 points a game again, but the truth be told, nobody is doing that right now. Oklahoma's not doing that. Um, Texas tech's not doing that. Texas isn't doing that. The best offenses historically are down this year all across college football so I don't think it's an Oklahoma State problem and I will say I'm thankful that they've got you know such a stout defense that they do you know to combat what's what's going on in this shifting of you know at least in the big 12 where we've seen so much air raid heavy pass it's really gone the other way to to run dominant physical and then defensive smash mouth football it's like we're in the big 10 yeah, th- that is really weird. Like, it's weird to think that the style of football that we're playing is anything like the Big Ten. I, I will say, we-, we are not the Big Ten on steroids like the Big Ten is right now with that defense. I mean, I mean that, that Penn State-Illinois game was absolutely ridiculous. I hope we never get to that point with, the- with these defenses. So, um, But, you know, what I will say is, you know, I-, I do think that some of the criticism early in the year was was fair because Spencer Sanders especially did not play well in, in the first few games. You know, he had... A ton of yards against Kansas State, but I think we've come to find out that the Kansas State defense is nowhere near as good as we expected it to be. Um, and, and I think that was probably the first sign in terms of the cracks of those of that defense. And then, you know, the game against Iowa State was the first time he's passed for over 200 yards. How much of that, though, is just because of how good of a running back Jalen Warren has been for them this year? Um, you know, th- there was definitely questions about replacing Chuba and trying to figure out what they were going to do in the running game. And I think that's part why, you know, like, Part of the reason a lot of people expected Spencer to st- step up as much as he as you know they they were expecting him to, but um, you know has has, has Jalen Warren's uh, performance kind of taken some of the pressure off of Spencer Sanders, or or does it do something entirely different for this offense? I I would say it does both. One, you have a consistent guy that you can rely on, and Jalen Warren. He never goes down on first contact. I guarantee you, you'll see that multiple times on Saturday. There's no reason to think at this point he's not going to be a factor. Um, he's he's really been a revelation, and you can't say enough about him because I, I don't think anybody um, in Oklahoma State, at least that was talking about it at the time, had Jalen Warren pegged as the starting running back. And not only that, as the bell cow, really the guy that carries the water for the offense. And he he takes a ton of pressure off of Spencer Sanders because, I mean, you, you already pointed out the Boise State game. Spencer Sanders threw 13 times in that game. Um, you said he only threw over 200 yards for the first time against Iowa State. A lot of that is by design. There, there are no doubt about it. Inefficiencies all over the place. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say they're, they're trying to get 300 right, yards right, a right. game on purpose, but I will say that I think Oklahoma State really would like to be dominating the time of possession, pound you inside with the offense, uh, the, the run game, um, and then hit you over the top of play action. But they don't have a deep threat, really, to take the top off the defense. So they're really forced to just kind of go uh, and, and hope that the defense forces turnovers and get themselves in good field position. Um, but, you know, to answer your question, I don't think it's so much of Spencer Sanders' issues as I think it is just limitations of personnel across the offense. Um, you don't have a Tylen Wallace out there. Uh, it's just as simple as that. No, fair. And and so I, I guess that's the perfect opportunity to kind of talk about the rest of the offense, because I, I do agree with you coming into the year. I think most people expected L.D. Brown 
to be the main guy at running yeah. back to really kind of push this offense forward so that Spencer Sanders wouldn't have to be, you know, a gunslinger around the entire field and all that stuff. But I, I do think that there was an expectation that there was going to be a decent number of wide receivers that he would have an option to go to. And, and you know, kind of looking at it from the outside, I, I guess that is kind of the biggest the biggest question. Like, is Spencer Sanders struggling this year because of the lack of wide receiver depth um, or is you know is it that he's not making use of the the depth that they actually have? So rather than than dive into that specific question, let's 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 go ahead and start with who are the main wide receivers on this team, and if there is a wide receiver that can break out against this Kansas defense this week, who is that that you would expect it to be? Yeah, well, it's it's a great question. I I think that Tay Martin is really where the Oklahoma State passing game starts and ends. Um, and that's not to say there's not talent all over the place. There's a lot of young talent who who are going – one of them is going to be that Tylen Wallace kind of guy. I have Brennan Presley pegged as that guy. Had a fantastic game against Iowa State last week on the road in a huge moment. But if there's one guy to watch, um, it would be Tay Martin, and it's because most of the offense runs around that one perimeter – receiver he, he's basically playing Tylen Wallace and James Washington's position so they're plugging in another guy in that exact same spot and this guy just so happens to be Tay Martin who you know is tied for second in all of FBS in total career touchdowns um, he, he's been around he's played a lot of college football was a transfer from Washington State showed flashes last year couldn't stay healthy couldn't really get out of Mike Gundy's doghouse now is really kind of showing what he can do. Had a phenomenal touchdown catch in Ames last week. Um, he's he's really the guy who, if things are clicking, it's probably not a surprise that he's also clicking. Him definitely. Brennan Presley, no surprise. He's five foot eight in the slot. You can't miss him. He's a jitterbug. Classic, you know, Tavon Austin style. If they could run it that way, that's how I would project him. But, you know, one guy that I would keep an eye on um, is Jaden Bray, really young, true freshman, was playing basketball for the last four years in Norman North. I think literally just picked up football within the last two years. And he might be next in line. Um, he's just got some raw freak athleticism skills was has a little, been a little bit banged up so it'll be interesting to see how much he plays on Saturday but he's really the guy the young guy that jumps off the screen yeah so um that, that I mean that's that's definitely helpful to kind of know which other wide receivers there are because I, I I do think the one thing that Kansas does actually have is the ability to shut down a single wide receiver. Like if that's the only thing you have, they actually do have a secondary that's good enough to be able to do that. It's where they are multiple threats. That's where they kind of run into some issues, especially when you mix in a, you know, very, very powerful running game, which of course is what Oklahoma state has. So I, I am kind of previewing a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about this matchup for, for what Kansas defense is going to look like. But, um, you know, the the one thing we haven't really talked about, but you kind of alluded to earlier is the offensive line, because that was the biggest uh, I think contributor to the struggles that they had last year. And part of the reason, um, you know, that they, that, that the offense as a whole had so many issues. I think that was also the expectation for why this was going to get so much better was that the offensive line was going to be able to come together. Um, it, it does seem to have taken a little bit longer than I think most people expected, but what, what have you seen from them recently that makes you think that they're going to continue to get better throughout the rest of the year and potentially, you know, get some of their best ball coming up here in the next few weeks. 
Well, you know, it, it, you can throw the first two games out um, because that really was a, a, a continuation of the musical chairs that we've already seen over the last two and a half years in Stillwater on the offensive line. You know, Oklahoma State, along with its wide receivers, hangs its hat on its offensive line. You know, you go back to the Joe Wickline days when Brandon Whedon and Joseph Randall were running wild. That was because of the offensive line. Um, and so it's been kind of strange to see really like – five years of utter futility up front, but it seems like right now they're probably playing the best that they have in, in that stretch of time. And it really starts on the inside. Josh Sills, left guard, center Danny Godlevsky, a grad transfer from the University of Miami, Ohio. And then you go to the, uh, the right guard, which is Hunter Woodard. And all, all of those guys have experience. So really you had to go through those growing pains Um and those injuries at the beginning of the year to get to where you are now, Oklahoma state, their success in the running game is behind those three. Um, you know, the tackle spots have, have um, specifically the right tackle spot has, has been an issue this year that they've actually just recently made a switch of a permanent switch um, from, from Drake Springfield to um, Preston Wilson. That's, we just actually broke that on the podcast yesterday. Um, but that is a, that is a thing. And so the right tackle is the vulnerability, but, Truthfully, the middle of the offensive line makes up for it because those guys, I mean, Josh Sills was a transfer from West Virginia, was an all big 12 offensive lineman. The inside, the interior of this offensive line is as good as it gets in the big 12, truthfully. And it starts and ends there. Yeah, I mean, Kansas fans know really well how important it is to have an offensive line that's actually any good. So, um, you know, I completely understand. And yeah, unfortunately, it sounds like there's yet another team in the big 12 that's got it figured out offensive line wise. And while Kansas is definitely improving, um, they still have quite a ways to go. But, you know, you talk about what's going on with this offense and kind of the the schedule coming up. Um, you know, I do think this is a good opportunity for Oklahoma State to get tuned up and get ready for, obviously, the biggest game of the entire season, which is Bedlam at the end of the year. Um, but, you know, these next few weeks, kind of like what you talked about with their schedule, is a good opportunity for them to continue to improve, to kind of show what they can do and increase the value of this team on sponsor here on the podcast, Symbol. Symbol is a stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol has blended sports in the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol is offering a very special giveaway. It's actually ending this week, from what I understand, uh, to the 1012 Network and here on the Rock Chalk Podcast. You're going to be holding a drawing to give away two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice. All you have to do is sign up for Symbol, make a $25 deposit using promo code chalk 12 and you'll be entered into a chance to win two tickets to your favorite team's game this season again i have kansas stock it hasn't paid out except for that first week but i i am you know on that long play there and after what we saw against oklahoma last week i do think it's going to get better it's just a matter of time at this point but you can buy oklahoma state stock before it skyrockets because i think it's going to in the next few weeks here so make sure if, if you're listening and haven't had a chance to go do it go do it now before they go on a run here and you lose that opportunity to get in while it's low. Go to symbol.com. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com to create a free account. When you deposit, make sure you use promo code CHOCK12 for a chance to win two free tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice. Go over there. Start investing in your favorite teams today. All right, Kate. So, obviously, you know, it is going to be a, a fairly straightforward, like you were talking about with the schedule. Um, you know, they have a lot of opportunities against defenses that either – aren't very good to begin with or are a lot worse than we expect them to be coming into the year. Um, 
you know, I, I was just looking at that schedule and I actually just clicked away from it, of course. Now I'm going to jump right back to it so we can, and this is great radio, um, Kansas, then at West Virginia against TCU, then at Texas Tech. Those are the next four. Anything about those defenses in particular that you think that this offense is going to struggle with, or do you see an opportunity for this offense to work on anything in particular to try to iron out those kinks before they face Oklahoma? You know, if there's if there's one that I point to that, you know, I could see them having issues with, it's with that interior defensive line at West Virginia. Um, you know, Iowa State, their calling card on defense was – being able to stop the run. And they did that. They were really the only team that's done that so far this season um, against Oklahoma State. And so um, West Virginia is really the one that I would point to, to to potentially have some trouble with. But, you know, they're also, they're struggling incredibly on the offensive side of the ball. And I, and I point to really like, I watched that TCU West Virginia game last week. I don't know if anybody had to bear through that like I did, but um, yeah, just two bad, two bad football teams. Honestly, they they both look out of sorts offensively, and the defense has talent, but really doesn't appear to know exactly what they're doing. And I don't know if that's a mixture of youth and coaching, but um, neither look like they are going to be much of a threat. And you know, I, I said this on our podcast yesterday that. You know, it's it's not above Oklahoma State to slip up one of those games for no reason at all. They do it all the time. They do it every year where it's like, I mean, it's right there in front of you. Even with the loss at Iowa State, I was mad for a total of five minutes, I think, because I'm like, well, I mean, that was the hardest game on your schedule. Like you go in, even going into the year, that was the one that you're like, that that will be tough. And you lost it, but it was a tough fought game. And then you look forward and it's like, well, West Virginia is not what you thought they were going to be. TCU, way worse than you thought they were going to be. And Tech really is kind of what you thought they were. So take care of business and get to Bedlam, and then all bets are off. I mean, it, it could be a Bedlam for the ages. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there. Bedlam, right, is the one that you circle that you always knew it was going to be a tough one when it's the very end of the year. And, of course, having that Iowa State game where it was in the schedule, kind of right smack dab in the middle, gives you a good opportunity to kind of evaluate where the team's at and then work on a few things. You know, I, I do think that that of those teams, I, I mean, I, I I agree with you coming into the year, especially defensively, West Virginia and TCU are probably the two that you expected. But that, that TCU defense looks like complete disarray right now. And the West Virginia defense has been good in spurts. But as again, as most Kansas fans know, when you have a defense that's actually decent or pretty good that gets no help at all from the offense, it makes it look a lot worse than it actually is. So it's one of those things where, you know, if, if you go to Morgantown and the the offense shows any kind of life, then the defense might be able to jump up and bite you and make it a little bit closer than you think potentially. Um, you know, I, I am kind of curious, though, in terms of, you know, what like what you were talking about, the things that this offense is, is actually trying to do for, for Oklahoma State. Is there any particular team, whether it's Kansas this week or any of those other three teams, that, that you think is a good opportunity for Oklahoma State to like work on something, whether it's getting certain wide receivers more involved to get them ready or or get anything else in particular done? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you'll hate my answer, but it's probably this weekend against Kansas. Well, I mean, I, mean, I kind of figured, but... <laughs> you, you really would like to see them bounce back, uh, have a little bit of swagger to them. What you don't want to see is them sleepwalk, maybe look like they're feeling a little bit down on themselves after last weekend. 
Um, you know, but more specifically, what you what I would like to see them do is is spread the ball around a little bit more. But that's not going to happen. They're they're going to try to win this game by pounding the run game using Spencer Sanders' legs, pounding Jalen Warren inside. What I would really like to see is is him get some rest, Jalen Warren, and get Dominic Richardson, some of the younger running backs, some some time get Jalen Warren's legs a little bit fresh. Um, obviously that's going to take a little bit of a cushion on the scoreboard to do that, but you know, that would be best case scenario is, is get some other guys, some run, um, especially, you know, looking at Brendan Presley, you'd love to see him build on what happened last week in Ames, probably the best game of his career behind the, you know, camping world game against Miami last year with three touchdowns. So I, I would, I would put it there, spread the ball around and, and get guys other than Jalen Warren involved because I think it's going to be important going down the stretch. He's going to be, you know, really the focal point of the offense. Yeah, for sure. All right. I do want to switch over to the defense um, before we actually talk about keys to this game. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the, on the rock talk podcast. Are you a big 12 basketball obsessed fan and have nowhere to go for just all of your big 12 basketball information? Look no further because Midwest madness is here just for you we talk men's and women's basketball all year long with exclusive interviews guests that come on to talk about each team game recaps once the season begins and so much more content you won't know what to deal with so for all of your big 12 basketball needs midwest madness is your place to go listen on anchor spotify and apple podcasts and we're back all right so here with Cade Webb of the Feels Like 45 podcast here on the 1012 Network. Uh, we've already talked about the offense and kind of what we've seen there and what we're expecting for this Oklahoma State team. Uh, I am curious, though, about the defense. Obviously, it's been the strength of the team. It's really what's carried this team through that had them undefeated before last week's game. And, and honestly, it was almost the reason, you know, that, that, that they were able to win that game. So, um, you know, they, they came really, really close with it. Who or what would you actually say is the strongest unit for this defensive team? Boy, <laughs> that's a that's a tough one because this is a an extremely balanced defensive attack. If I if I had to pick, I would go with the defensive line simply because it's it's like they're too deep at every position. Um, you know, got, I mean, and it's guys that have come out of nowhere, really, that have grown into instant impact guys that, you know, are going to contribute. And I mean, you're talking three, two-star recruits that have been, and this is, you know, Mike Gundy's calling card is turning two and three stars into four and five stars. And that's what it looks like up front. I mean, they are, they are physical. I mean, you, you would have seen it if, if you watched the game last weekend, Israel Antoine and Brendan Evers, those nose guard positions. I mean, absolutely dominating the offensive line. Really, most teams that they've played, they're given that offensive line trouble from the interior. And then you've got guys on the edge. Brock Martin, really solid veteran player, played a lot of college football, knows exactly where to be. Um, and then you've got a, a true freshman in Colin Oliver, who's the top-rated pass rusher for true freshmen in college football. So the top rated freshman pass rusher in all of college football, and he's an absolute freak and he's not even supposed to be the starter. He's backing up trace Ford who tore his ACL. So again, back to the point where this defense is ridiculously deep. I mean, he's, he's an encapsulation of that, but you know, really uh, one guy to highlight and and you might've already been going here, but I'm going to, I'm going to go here. Malcolm Rodriguez, man, that guy's going to play on Sundays. 
He's a Brian Urlacher clone. He's a little bit undersized, but you wouldn't know it the way he absolutely punishes uh, defenders in the run game. Does a really great job in the pass protection too. But um, honestly, is it, it, he is impossible to miss. He jumps off the screen every time. Yeah, I mean, he, he has almost twice the number of tackles as the next person on this yeah. <laughs> on this team. So it makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's. I mean, so so kind of flip that on the other side. If there is a weakness to this defense, like what is it? Obviously, it's not going to be like a true weakness, as in something that you can go back to time and time and time again. But there has to be at least some sort of you know preferred method to try to attack this defense. Yeah, sure. Well, I think you just turn on the film from last weekend against Brock Purdy. Um, you know, he's really the first guy we've seen this year almost dissect the Oklahoma State defense, but they, they did it with some complicated scheme. They, they had to go to the RPO game, and it was all dink and dunk underneath. So Brock Purdy being, you know, the most veteran quarterback in the Big 12, he's patient, knows exactly what's coming from the defense, and he was able really to understand exactly where pressure was coming from and dissect us almost exclusively in the RPO game. And so they had a few long plays broken that way. But again, all of that was underneath. And um, so if you're going to beat Oklahoma State, one, you have to be patient because, I mean, they were they were forcing Iowa State into, into literal 15 and 16 play drives to get points. So you have to be patient. You can't turn the ball over. And you have to be comfortable taking what's in front of you because they're really – it's very rare to beat them over the top. They don't really tend to play high safeties. As a matter of fact, they like to get really aggressive and play up in your face and go man defense, but that's because they've got experienced corners who know where to be. Um, so again, you, you're going to need to beat them underneath and hope somebody misses a tackle, which is what we saw in, in Ames. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely think that that's probably, you know, not necessarily something that Kansas can can replicate, and and you know obviously the if you're going to beat them is the proverbial you, uh, not necessarily this this Kansas team because I think everybody expects that this game is not going to be one well, where Kansas is pulling off the road upset. So, well, Andy, just to, to that point, we we hadn't seen anybody do it. No, nobody had beaten this defense yet. Nobody had looked good against this defense. So it was like, how, how do you? beat this defense and and the first team to do it the first team to really have any sort of sustained sustained success was Iowa State last weekend and they did it primarily through that RPO game and it was all underneath and so there's there's got to be other ways um but we haven't seen we haven't seen it this season so you know that I will one thing I will say they can be vulnerable to the deep passing routes up the seam if you've got an athletic wide receiver, if you've got a tight end that you can split out, they can be vulnerable to that at times, depending on the alignment. We saw it once against Baylor. We saw it once against Texas. You'll get them once, but it seems like that's about it. So I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely not something that I would expect Kansas to be able to do routinely. Uh, not that I think that Kansas would want to try to do that routinely. You know, I, I actually listened to your guys, your guys' preview and kind of way you broke it down and obviously did a fairly good job of, you know, really diagnosing what it is that, that, that Kansas likes to do. You know, they do have that zone option. Um, the one thing I will say, though, with this Kansas offense, and, and I, I want to get your thoughts on it, is I don't know that we necessarily know what this Kansas offense is doing, um, partly because, you know, they haven't had very much success, so you haven't really seen what they really like to do. Um, but as the season has gone on and on, it's it's definitely apparent, especially with the game against Oklahoma, that, you know, they are adding more things to this offense. They are they are trying out new things. They are 
finding new ways to try to get it to the playmakers that they do have. Um, is there anything that you saw in this last week or anything that you've you know potentially seen from this Kansas team that worries you that like that might be something that they could successfully use to attack the Oklahoma State defense, whether it's just yeah. for a series or potentially over the course of like an entire quarter or half? Well, you know, my entire assumption is going on what I've seen from Oklahoma State, and it's that they're an aggressive defense, they're calculated, but they're also very disciplined. And so all of what I'm saying is that assumption carrying to this week. If they get out of their gaps and and they overrun tackling lanes against this, like, heavy motion, appears to be a lot of eye candy behind the play, or, or, or before the play, rather, um, and they get out of their zone, then absolutely – Kansas can can beat them in that way um I'm going off the assumption that they historically you know over the last 12 15 games have been a well-coached team who doesn't really get out of their gaps you you may get them for 15 20 yards I just there's not a ton of big chunk plays that go for those 60 yards and so you know the thing that I recall after you know watching that OUKU game last weekend um is that pre-snap motion where, you know, if you've got guys out of position, then absolutely that's a, an area of opportunity. And, and one thing that impressed me about KU's new quarterback, uh, Bean is his name. What's his first right, name? Yep. Jason Bean. Yep. Jason Bean. I want to, I, every time I say that, I want to say Jimmy Bean, cause I know it's Jay. Right. Oklahoma right. State, Oklahoma State had a defensive end, Jimmy Bean, not very long ago. So I want to say Jimmy every time, but you know, it, he, appears to be kind of a freak athlete, really skinny, but uh, is extremely fast. And so obviously you want to make sure you contain his legs and make him beat you with his arm. And and again, that really goes back to being a disciplined sound defense. Yeah, I was going to say, the the things, based off of the way that you were describing the defense, the things that gives me hope that we'll see some sort of success from the Kansas offense. And again, I'm not, I'm not predicting that it will be a necessarily competitive game or anything like that, but I do think we'll continue to see strides from this Kansas offense. Um, and the re- the reason being is, you know, they actually do have a couple different wide receivers that actually have some speed that can get downfield. The reason you haven't seen very much of them this year is mainly because Bean hasn't had time, and when he's had to roll out, he has he you know if he, if he tries to throw on the run, he's not very accurate. Um, but what we saw last week against Oklahoma that he had the opportunity to do was actually to roll out as part of a design of a play, plant his feet, and actually get a good throw. And so, you know, if he's able to do more of that, if they're able to scheme more around that to get him good opportunities, then I then I do think that you, we can see that and we can see him getting the ball actually down the field in, in some of these situations. Now, granted, I do think that Oklahoma State is going to adjust to that, that it's not going to be there all game long or anything like that. But, you know, Kwame Lasseter, Luke Grimm, these are some wide receivers that actually have shown last year and then this year that they do have the ability to, to kind of stretch the field and do some of that sort of stuff. The question has always been consistency of being able to actually get the ball to them. No, I, I think you're spot on. That's that's the observation I've always made. And, and you know, we talked about Kwame Lasseter on our podcast. I, I can't believe he's still there. And he's not the yeah. first wide receiver to be an impressive athlete but the ball just doesn't arrive there. And, um, you know, so again, all it is about is about containing him, uh, not, not Lasseter, but, but being more specifically containing him, making sure he doesn't beat you with his legs, make him beat your defense with his arms and with his head. Um, and, and we'll see where that leads the game. But, you know, if he's, if he's able to run wild, then obviously they they've got a problem. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Um, 
So kind of just talking about this game, I don't know that I necessarily want to do a prediction, although you can definitely throw one out there if you want. You know, what what do you think is going to be the key to this game in terms of determining whether it's a close game? Um, you know, if, if Kansas can make this a little bit uncomfortable um, or if Oklahoma State's going to be able to get the backups in pretty early. Yeah, I think it's Oklahoma State's ability to execute. Um, you know, they're going to take some deep shots. We've seen it historically in this game and, and other games where, where Oklahoma State's a, a heavy favorite. They're not afraid to take a shot early, to take multiple shots early and try to build the cushion so that way they can get um, some guys in early. So I, I would look for Oklahoma State to take some shots early, try to run some stuff to get some points early and, and then coast to a win tends to be their preferred method of madness if you look at games even going back to the Missouri State game this year ended up being really close but they jumped out to that 21 nothing lead so you know that that's what they want to do is score early and then really let the the you know second and third teamers roll um you know if if I'm looking at the offense I would expect um you know an an early and often dose of Jalen Warren and Tay Martin and Spencer Sanders on the perimeter. That that's what I think is going to happen. Um, and and I think they're really going to lean heavy on the run game this week. I, again, I think they'll take some shots, but I don't think that they are going to need necessarily to open up the offense completely to do what they want to do. Yeah, you know that's that's completely fair. Um, flip right back over to the other side, really quick. I do want to ask you on this KU defense: are, Is there any particular player? that worries you a little bit as, as a guy that could have some success that could cause some problems, maybe disrupt a few things for, for this Oklahoma state offense. Yeah. Gr- great question. I, I, there's a pass rusher and I, I know it's not Dorrance Armstrong cause he plays from a Dallas Cowboys, right. uh, but it's basically a Dorrance Armstrong clone. Um, so- I'm assuming that you're talking about Kyron Johnson. Yeah, that's exactly who it is. Thank yeah. you. We talked about him on our podcast yesterday. I apologize for uh, butchering no, names right. here this evening, but uh, I, I haven't uh, watched too much film on Kansas this year. But yeah, Kyron Johnson, he pops. I'll tell you that much. He pops. And um, he's one because, you know, I look back against the guys that have given Oklahoma State trouble last weekend. Will McDonald at Iowa State, a great pass rusher in the Big 12, two sacks. Give Oklahoma State a ton of issues, two two tackles for loss and two sacks. Um, so if you've got a guy like that, which I know you do in Kyron Johnson, I would I would look at him definitely. Yeah, I mean he he is a guy that has steadily gotten better, and you know he had to f- kind of fill in. I, the expectation this coming into this year was that he actually was going to be like our third string, like the the third guy That's on that wild. defensive line, right? Um, you know because we had we had Marcus Harris, and then we had. Uh, um, Oh my gosh, I'm completely, but yeah, Dejon Terry. I, I'm rubbing off on you. Right, well, no, it's it's one of those things, I, I talk about them somewhat often, but they've been gone long enough that it's like, oh, trying to remember. But Dejon Terry and Marcus Harris were, were two guys that just completely balled out, especially at the end of last year, and we really expected them, you know, to anchor this defensive line and give Kansas a lot of opportunities to really, you know, cause problems for teams in the backfield. And when they're gone, and a guy like Kyron Johnson, who was expecting to be, you know, kind of that third guy, that was bull rushing off at the, the end, you know, and, and really taking advantage of the fact that there was two guys in the middle that were clogging up most of the space for him. Um, you know, he had to completely change the way that he played his game. Like he plays completely differently this year than he did last year because he's had to take on more of the load and cause more of the problems himself instead of just cleaning up the chaos, you know, that's being made by other, other players. So the fact that he, you know, has been able to come as far as he's been able to come in the time that he's been able to do it, it's been phenomenal. You know, he didn't really break out until a couple weeks ago, 
um, against you know against Texas Tech, and and I think the biggest problem is that his his stats just haven't been there that much this year. You know, he 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 had a sack against Iowa State. Um, he had some problems against Texas Tech just because there really wasn't any, anything else you know for them to to go ahead and yep. do. But um, you know, he I mean he he's been all over the place. He's been knocking out passes at the line. He's been doing all kinds of stuff. So he is probably the biggest standout from this defense, especially in terms of guys that we weren't really expecting. Kenny Logan Jr. at the safety position is another guy that comes to mind. You know, but he he was a star last year for them, um, right next to Karan Prunty, who is no longer there. Um, so you know, they they actually had a lot of pieces coming into this year, but then had so many of the best pieces leave that guys that were expected to be depth are now actually the starters, which causes a lot of problems. You know, when when you're preparing for the year as like, hey, I'm going to be coming in, I'm going to be change of pace, I'm going to you know be able to kind of pace myself, but but go all out when I'm actually in there because I'm not going to be there very long, um, like that's a completely different mindset, you know, than when three weeks before the season starts, Hey, the guy that I'm supposed to be backing up just transferred. I'm the guy now. This yeah, is, this right. is rough. <laughs> so right. we're finally starting to see this Kansas defense come into its own. We saw that against Oklahoma, you know, you can say as much as you want that Oklahoma, you know, shot themselves in the foot, but there was a lot of things that Oklahoma normally does. And the way that that offensive line played, that you would expect them to be able to run all over Kansas. And Kansas was able to stand up to them. The the number of times that Oklahoma ran it straight into the line and the line just stood there. I mean, the whole forward handoff crap thing that happened. Oh, an that, abomination. Yeah. But but that got set up because Kansas stuffed him at the line and, you know, didn't give him an opportunity to actually get where he needed to be. I mean, that should have been Kansas ball after a fourth and like a stop on fourth and one. Yeah, so, forward progress. Ever yeah, heard of it? Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I, so I, I mean, I, I definitely think that we're seeing strides from this defense. And if if Kansas can keep their confidence, they can cause some problems for Oklahoma State, not over the course of the entire game. Again, I, I'm not predicting at all whatsoever that I actually expect Kansas to come close to winning this game. But I, I would not be shocked to see this, you know, a 10 point game going into the fourth quarter before Oklahoma state finally just runs the ball down their throat and, you know, keeps them from keeping it close at that point. Like this is a game that where Kansas has an opportunity to go on the road and actually show some life and get a lot of fans really excited about the last few weeks that they have coming up. You're exactly right. And, 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 you know, if I'm putting myself in the shoes of a KU fan, like I'm, I'm yearning for that. Like show me, two weeks in a row that you can go toe to toe with, with the best two programs in the big 12 right now. Um, and that's Oklahoma and Oklahoma state. And so, you know, and I, I completely agree with you. Nothing about what happened last week to me was a fluke. Oh, you. Right. And, and I have, I have the distinct pleasure of listening to sports talk radio in Oklahoma city um, and where it's all dominated about how Oklahoma, you know, it, it's no effort. They, they look like they don't want to be out there. It's like, well, whatever that looks like. I know it looks like Kansas wants to be out there. And, you know, you just hope that that same level of um, zest carries over on the road against a a really good team with a stingy defense, which Oklahoma does not have. So I'll be interested to see it. And Hey, Andy, you're, you're saying something that Mike Gundy said, he said, this is going to be a fourth quarter game. So. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems kind of ridiculous on its face, given where the (laughs) programs are, but we also know that the big 12 is good for, two yeah. or three completely random what the heck just happened games each year. And I don't know that we've really had one of those yet. So, you know, we've got plenty of time <laughs> with like four or with like five weeks left in the, in the season for something weird to happen. 
Um, you know, I'm I'm not going to completely say it's impossible for this one. The one thing I do want to ask you, though, prediction kind of pr- prediction wise is do, do you think that that spread that last I saw was 30 and a half? Like that seems ridiculously large to me. And before last week, I would have said, you know what? It seems large, but there's no way that Kansas covers it because they hadn't covered a single spread the entire year before <laughs> this last game well, against Oklahoma. But based off of what I saw last week, like that that just seems like a huge number, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't have Oklahoma State covering that. I'll tell you that much. I, I will say Oklahoma State right now in, in all of Division One is like the second best team over the last however many years. I think it's the last 10 years against the spread. They are ridiculously good against the spread, but I don't, I don't see 30 and a half right now. Um, and I, I'm kind of into this side of things. I, I yeah. like uh, projecting, uh, you know, uh, point spreads. I, I don't know if Oklahoma state scores enough to cover that. And I, I mean, I, I've got, I don't know if we're going to get into predictions and I'll, I'll hold that for later, but I don't like that line for Oklahoma state it's homecoming. Um, And again, I think the way that they want to do things is get up big early and then ride it out. And so that's not conducive to a team trying to cover. um, And I know that all too well. So, yeah, well, right. I mean, so, so let's do that. Let's, I mean, let's, let's get into predictions of how we think this, this game is actually going to go because you're right. Like the, the expectation that I've gotten, you know, from watching this and watching how Oklahoma state has played this year is that they don't, they don't necessarily care about running up the score on anybody. Like they literally are just trying to win the game. You know, you saw that against, against Boise state. Like when you win a game like that, you know, by one point that kind of just solidifies that mentality of, Hey, we just need to win the game. doesn't matter how many we win by, you know, if you can get up early, well then that means you can get other people involved or you can, you know, kind of shut it down somewhat so that you prevent any kind of injury and just make sure you get out of there with a win. So like, I definitely agree. I don't, I don't think, you know, unless Kansas is just completely inept and turns the ball over five times or something ridiculous like that, like I don't know that Oklahoma State's going to be able to score enough to ever go up by more than 31 points. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I also think that this Kansas offense is going to have enough going on. Like it's going to be able to do enough to, if it's not scoring a decent amount, it's at least holding onto the ball enough that there's just not enough time, you know, unless again, unless Oklahoma state's getting defensive scores or, or special team scores. So, um, you know, that, that actually the one spot we didn't actually talk about Oklahoma state defense, or I'm sorry, Oklahoma state state special teams. What are those like? Have they, you know, been able to get much out of that unit or is it kind of just, they, they do what they got to do. Well, they do what they got to do, you know, with the exception of last weekend, where if you make the two field goals that you missed, you, you leave Ames with a win. So that's a huge deal, you know, missing a 31 yarder, you know, with 12 minutes left to, to tie the game. Uh, I'm sorry to take the lead is a huge problem. Um, you know, so his like this year that, I mean, they switched uh, from Alex Hale, a scholarship kicker to a, a walk-on transfer from UNLV and Tanner Brown. Um, he's been good at times, but I mean, really, you know, over two last week on the, on the biggest stage so far the season, isn't great. So, And I mean, they've had a kickoff return for a touchdown. They don't do anything um, exceptional, but they don't break you. And that's really all that Mike Gundy wants. And I can I can pretty much guarantee you that don't beat us, but we're not going to I mean, we're not going to blow your socks off on special teams. Yeah, for sure. All right. So 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 let's go ahead and get into predictions now. I mean, how do you see this game going? You talked about they're going to try to get up super early. Yeah, Um, but but with the way that Kansas is going to try to extremely quickly 
kind of control the pace of the game and slow the clock down and, you know, I mean, take the entire play clock the way they normally do. Uh, I mean, do you think it's going to be that Oklahoma State gets out to a quick a quick lead and then it kind of rides it out? Or is this going to be a game that's going to be close for a good well, portion of it? It's a great question. I, I do see Oklahoma State having success early. They, they tend to be a really good first quarter team, um, especially, you know, Casey Dunn, for all of his faults as an offensive coordinator, and they are plenty, he's a great, you know, schemer. You know, you think of Lincoln Riley as if you can just hold on after the first quarter, then you're in a good spot. Uh, Casey Dunn almost feels like kind of the same. Um, so I do expect them to have success early. Um, and, and I think the defense plays well. I, I really do. I think that they are built sideline to sideline to defend the type of offense that KU likes to run with that motion. A lot of it is those, those pitches and, and rollouts. That's really where Oklahoma state can make things hard on, on an offense. And so, um, you know, the score I gave on our podcast was 38 to 10. I will give KU, you know, after having talked to you, l- learning a little bit about a little bit more about KU fr- from you, you know, I, I think I could see this game being 38 17, but I, I'm sticking hard to that 38 because I think you're going to see a defensive touchdown. I think they're aggressive enough on defense, Oklahoma State is, to force a young quarterback into making mistakes on the road. And um, whether that's once or twice, I think it's going to be enough for this game to be out of hand and in control as we go mid third quarter into the fourth quarter. But, you know, don't take that for me saying I wouldn't be surprised to see KU put up a fight. And honestly, it would be a welcome sight. I, I would love to see that. But obviously, Oklahoma State getting out with the win. Right, right, right. You know, I mean, I I, I definitely think that Kansas is going to try to do exactly what they did last week, where they're going to, you know, with their first possession, they're going to try to go on a nine-minute scoring drive to start the game out, you know. So, like, whether they get the ball first or not, I think the goal is to make sure that both teams can score at most once in the first quarter. And and like you said, if, if that, you know, it, 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 it sounds like Oklahoma State is one of those where, you know, the first 15 plays are usually scripted. If they can get through that and, and you know, get off the, the line really quickly and, and actually get some good points there, you know, and really kind of shut that down. Um, like that's where they get their biz, their best advantage in the first quarter. If Kansas can make it so that those 15 plays take halfway through the second quarter to actually get through them, like Kansas is in a really good spot to at least keep it close. And then, of course, the further you get into the game where it's within striking distance, you know, with, where you're within two, two or three scores the more pressure you put on Oklahoma State as the home team for homecoming, you know, the ranked team that's supposed to be the one that completely blows Kansas out here. Kansas is playing with house money at this point. You know, they almost beat Oklahoma last week. They're not going to be nearly as tight. Like, I think what we saw the few weeks before that, and especially coming out for their homecoming game, was they were extremely tight. They were pressing. They were trying to do too much. And I think what finally got through them last week is, you know, if, if you don't worry about it too much and you just control the things that you can control and have fun with what you're doing, it's it's going to work. Something's going to work. You're going to find ways to make things happen and just need to be aware of what's going on. I think Kansas is a lot better at doing that now. Jason Bean looked like a completely different quarterback last week, and I think that that carries through because it's finally clicked with him. Now, granted, Oklahoma State's defense is a whole lot better than Oklahoma's. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't even think it's close, to be honest. Um, and yeah. so it's one of these things where they're going to try things is going to get shut down. How well can Kansas adjust to what Oklahoma State is letting them do to keep to keep Oklahoma State at least a little bit, you know, off guard? Um, I think they can do it somewhat, but it's not going to be consistent. I, I do think that Kansas is probably going to score in non-garbage time. They're probably going to score two 
twice, whether that's a touchdown and a field goal or two touchdowns on very long drives. You know, so I, I'm I'm fairly confident the Kansas will get to at least that 10-14, and then they're probably going to score one in garbage time. And the one thing that hasn't happened yet for Kansas this year, um, or at least not not nearly as consistently, is is those long return that you know from special teams, whether it's punts or kickoffs. Um, you know, that's a huge part of their game, a huge part of what they try to do, and they've come close on quite a few. I think that this is probably the week, just given what I've seen from Oklahoma State. Um, that this is the week where it just randomly jumps up. I think they're going to get a return touchdown at this point. I, I think that the final score is probably going to be somewhere in the range of, well, I, 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 I think Kansas is probably going to score about 21-24. Part of that's going to be because of that huge return, whether it sets up a really short field for them to be able to get some extra scores or they actually score a, touch, a return touchdown. I'm not sure which one it's going to be, but I do think that Kansas will actually get into the low 20s, but I do agree with you. I think, I think that Oklahoma State's going to have not a lot of problems scoring, at least in the middle portion of this game. Um, so ultimately, I'm probably going to go with something like 41 to 24 Oklahoma State. Like, I, I still think that they're going to win comfortably, but Kansas could probably get back at the very end of the game and make it a little bit closer than it looks. 41 points from Oklahoma State this week would feel like 80. So that would be yeah, fantastic. Yeah, no, that'd be fantastic. Well, you know, I'm also accounting for the fact that Bean's probably going to throw a bad pass and there's going to be a defensive touchdown or something like that, which is going to happen, especially when you're playing a defense as good. But, but yeah, I mean, 41 points would be absolutely phenomenal for this team. Um, wouldn't that be the highest output that they have? Yeah, yeah. Th- th- that would yeah. be the highest number of points they've scored all year, which is what you would expect against probably one of the worst teams that you guys have played all year. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah no it's it's getting better at Kansas, but we still all have to be realistic about how far they still have to go. So, hey, I'll tell you this: they that that game last week was the most like again not a fluke. That was the most real pulse that I've seen from KU football in a long time. Um, even even including you know KU beating Texas back in the day, that looked legit. Oh yeah, and not necessarily like fluky you know, in the way it could be. So uh, right. The game against the game against, I hope it starts turning around, right? The game against Texas, there were six turnovers that Kansas benefited from to pull that upset off. Right. This one against Oklahoma, there was the one interception that was a good read when, you know, Caleb Williams ran out and chucked the ball that he shouldn't have, but the guy was able to get himself in good position for it, but there wasn't a whole lot of like random fumbles that Kansas was able to, in fact, Kansas probably, you know, got the bad side of the turnover luck with, with some of the stuff that they had going on. So, you know, the one thing I, I completely forgot about, um, but, you know, no matter how bad it is for Kansas on the field, uh, there is one thing that's always fantastic about Kansas football, and that is tailgating. And the best place to upgrade your tailgating game is with sponsor here on the podcast, Gridiron Metalworks. Gridiron Metalworks is where you can find high-quality metal home goods for the college superfan in your life, whether that's you or someone else. Find collegiate-branded grill grates, griddles, or any number of home decor items, including flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, and can coolers. All of these are in actual school colors, not the, oh, it's really close colors that other manufacturers like to use all the time. Um, Look, I I have one of the desk plaques, which is a Jayhawk head with the word Kansas next to it. Absolutely fantastic. I love that. I have the the stainless steel bookend as well. That sits on my shelf with all my books. It's uh, I, I love that thing. I look at it all the time. And I actually had Gridiron because I love what they do. Make me a sign that is my podcast logo that's cut out of steel that hangs on my wall that everybody talks about whenever they walk in. So it's absolutely fantastic. I love it. I shared it on Twitter a little while back. I know you guys, I, I got some great reactions from it. So I know that anything you get from Gridiron, you're going to love. Everything they do make there is high quality and made in the USA, and they continue to add new products all the time for all your schools. If you use promo code CHOCK12, you get 15% off your entire first order. And everything 
on the site, no matter how much you order at this point now, you actually get free shipping from Gridiron. That is something that they changed recently. It's absolutely fantastic. They are gearing up for the holidays. So if you are going to order, you know, a gift like that for a, someone in your life, and I can guarantee you, you can find something that they do not have. You need to go ahead and start doing it soon to make sure that you can get it in time for Christmas. You know, or if you want to have it before the end of the football season, so you can you know upgrade that 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 tailgate setup that you have. Or if you're some of those crazy people like to tailgate during basketball season, that's always an option too. So, but head over to GridironMetal.com, use promo code Chalk12, get 15% off that entire first order, and all of your orders over there will get free shipping. All right, Kate, that's going to do it for us tonight. Real quick, though, how excited are you for basketball season getting ready to start? I know that Mike, you know, I actually uh, got to talk with Mike Boynton at Big 12 Media Days, had some great quotes from him. I, I know that there's a lot of Oklahoma State fans that are probably getting pretty excited about basketball season, but how, how excited are you for that season, and how competitive do you think that, that, that this Big 12 conference uh, is going to be this year? I, I, was, I was hoping we got to talk a little bit about this because as much as I love Oklahoma State football, Cowboy basketball was my first love. I was nine years old when Oklahoma State went to the Final Four in, in 2004. Broke my heart when Will Bynum coasted down the lane uh, for a layup, Georgia Tech, to, to you know knock us out at the buzzer. But um, this is – I've said this on the podcast. This is the most complete team that Oklahoma State has had since that team that went to the Final Four. And, and you know, you have to factor in the, the caliber of the Big 12 right now. I mean, KU just absolutely reloads, brings in Remy Martin and all these other guys. It's just like, okay, you have to factor that in too. But, but I'm just saying sheer talent-wise and depth, this team is, is that deep again. And so, you know, you just have to tip your cat to Mike Boynton what he's been able to do um, turn me into a first time season ticket holder. You know, part of that is that I'd, I'd lived in Kansas city for most of my adult life and just recently relocated to Oklahoma city. But um, it was a no brainer when season tickets went on, on sale after uh, Kate Cunningham left and um, you know, got the pleasure of seeing him firsthand. It's like, I'm there, I'm there, baby. So I just can't wait. I'm thankful that, uh, you know, OSU basketball is back and competitive and um, Gallagher is going to be rocking. No doubt about it. Unlike it has been in the last you know decade. So, yeah, it's actually kind of funny because, you know, I'm looking at the, the big 12 slate and yes, Kansas Baylor and Texas are all ranked in the top eight, you know, of the AP pool to start the year. You look over on Ken Palm, you know, they have four teams at Texas tech in there that rank in the top 15 in Ken Palm, Oklahoma state comes in at 37, but like, you add in West Virginia and Oklahoma, those are all teams that you could legitimately see making a run to the Elite Eight this year. Like, they are all that good. They have they are that stacked. They have coaches that are have just been that phenomenal coming back. Um, this is going to be a, a really, really competitive league. It's going to be the most competitive that it's, I've ever seen it, and it was super competitive last year. Like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know just how crazy it's going to be. But, you know, if this is the last or one of the last, you know, couple times that we actually get to see the Big 12 Conference with the current members that they have, um, it's going to be a heck of a way for them to go out with, you know, a, 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 a whole conference from top to bottom being as competitive and as good as they are this year. So I'm super excited for it. I'm kind of curious to see how Oklahoma State's going to do without a guy like Cade Cunningham. You know, they had some of their best games, actually, when Cade Cunningham and Isaac Likely weren't available last year. So it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do now that they don't have him at all, and they can kind of lean on everybody instead of trying to run everything through one guy. So I will be interested to see how, how Oklahoma State does. Obviously, Kansas is, you know, right now the favorite to win the Big 12 Conference and and potentially make the Final Four there. So it'll be interesting to see how all of that plays out. But I would not be shocked 
at pretty much any result that happens in the Big 12 this year. So, all right, Kate, thank you so much for joining me. Where can everybody find your work online? Yeah, no, thank you for asking, Andy. Um, first and foremost, follow the podcast at Feels Like 45 Pod on Twitter. Uh, you know, I, I've said this, we're putting out the best free Oklahoma state analysis on the internet. I will stand by that. We, we started this podcast with that mission and go follow the Twitter account. You will not be disappointed. I mean, and when I say breakdown, I mean, you're getting actual like real style breakdowns of the film that other people are making you pay for. We're not making you do that. So follow us at feels like 45 pod and follow me at Cade Webb and follow Dustin, my co-host who, who's really the brains behind the pod at dust ragu. Um, you know, we, we do a lot. We work really hard to, to make this a podcast worth your time. And so um, we'd love to have you. Yeah. And definitely, I mean, you know, I think this is my favorite part about the entire network that we have over at the 1012. Um, you know, it, it's a group of podcasters and a group of people that really care about it. And and for the most part, like, you know, these are the best podcasts you can find for any of the individual schools that we have, um, you know, whether it's, you know, the funniest or, or a different take on it or gives you that in-depth analysis. Like this is a network, I think, that has everything yep. that you could want from any of the analysis and it is all free like that's the best part um you know I, I i actually started the podcast because i had a hard time finding a podcast that was specific to the jayhawks that wasn't just like a radio show put into a podcast form or something like that you know this is a medium that is completely unexplored for a lot of the big 12 teams there's not a lot of national coverage and so i, I highly recommend that you you know for anybody who's interested at all in oklahoma state athletics or wants to know more about these teams before we play them or just wants to know more about the conference as a whole so you can be a good ambassador for the conference to anybody that you talk with about college sports um, i highly recommend everybody over there at the at the 1012 network we have, we have a great group of people over there that are talking about all of the sports and all of the teams that you care about from this conference so um, that is my plug for the night for the network, but thank you, Cade, so much for joining me. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please to go out wherever you get your podcast, which is Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for rock chalk podcast. You can find us subscribe. So you can get every episode as soon as it comes out, give us a rating and a review five stars, nice comments would absolutely love it. If not, for whatever reason, just let us know what it is. We can be doing better. Really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people want to try to interview, Anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the network, so head over to the network Twitter account at 1012network, TN12network. You can find links to all the shows there. Um, you know, we are on the anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail so we can get your voice on the show. I am still looking for more people to give me questions, comments, rants. Anything you want after all the games, your reactions to the games, all that stuff, go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and you can leave that there. I promise we'll get on the show. Um, you know, Again, thank you guys so much for listening. Go out, visit our sponsors, whether it's Symbol uh, or Gridiron. Use promo code CHALK12. Get great deals over there. Uh, but that is going to do it for us tonight. Cade, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome 
to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan A. Bear, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great. Sorry, Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Between Two Bears. Okay, uh, Evan, Evan's going to go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan Haybear. Uh, Sick'em Bears. Podcast Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.